Hi, it's Laura Giles, your host of Modern Animism Radio. I love your questions. Thank you guys for reaching out and telling us what's on your mind and what you care about. Thanks for trusting us with giving you guidance on animism. We want to bring it down to earth so it's accessible, so we rely on your questions. And our topic today is, am I a Hayoka empath? When people from different cultures use the same terms, it can get confusing. So I hope to straighten that out today. Before we get to that, let's pause to give gratitude to the elements and ancestors. So I acknowledge and thank the beautiful, sensuous earth for our home, food, stability, ability to stick to things, our bodies, and all the physical things that delight our senses and make life worthwhile. I acknowledge and thank the air for our ideas, creativity, and ability to communicate, for poetry, innovation, carrying the whispers from the other world, and the breath that keeps us alive. I acknowledge and thank fire for warmth, fire, life, <laughs> purification, desire, and the ability to end things whose time has come. For destruction. I ask you to ignite our passion for love and connection and I hope that you will help us stand in our own power so that we can be sovereign, connected, and whole. I acknowledge and thank water for reminding us to flow so we don't get stuck, for taking us to deep places so we continue to empty and grow, and for our emotions that act as a guide throughout life. I acknowledge and thank the plants animal, human, and mineral ancestors for all that you do that is seen and unseen. A big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and giving us your support. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and any of our work inspires or teaches you anything, please return the love by reviewing us on iTunes. A few, of, a few of you have already done that, and I appreciate it so much. It really helps. Thank you. So, Heoka Impact. There are a few topics that I want to touch on on this subject. The first is cultural appropriation and names, then definitions so we get on the same page, and then the whole idea of the function of a Hayoka empath so that you know if this is you or anyone else or not. Cool? And they may not happen in that order, <laughs> but that's the plan. <laughs> so I hear a lot of people talking about spiritual appropriation, and that is not the drum that I generally bang. I know it's a hot topic for some people. I generally have a live and let live attitude about things, and that's actually the Pan Society's official line. So we don't do dogma. It's totally cool to do you. So anything that I'm saying, totally do you. You know, your opinion is 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 all good. So spirituality is free. Nobody owns it. Nobody can tell you where to draw your own line. But there is respect. And if you're not sure if you're stepping on toes for somebody else's culture. Or, or a spiritual path that you don't belong to, it's often best to take the conservative line and err on the side of caution. I get it. A lot of people are turning away from religion that they grew up with, or in some cases that, you know, they didn't grow up with anything, and they're feeling that void. I do get that. And, and I know that they're finding it in indigenous spiritualities, but there's one problem. Different cultures often use the same words and symbols with different meanings. So when someone from outside a culture uses those words or symbols in their practice, that person may feel like they've tapped into something deep and meaningful, even though it actually means something totally different or doesn't mean anything at all. That's what spiritual appropriation gets you in my book. So it doesn't honor the culture that it came from or really have any meaning for the people who borrow it. Not to mention that it could destroy... Um, Destroy the things they love, that, that culture, that spirituality. 
So I think this whole Hayoka empath is one of these examples. Now, I'm not Lakota. I am indigenous, and I can grasp the meaning of Hayoka reasonably well because we have a similar idea in my tradition, too. But let's start with the empath part. This is a strange thing that frankly freaks me out because it's creeping into psychology. But empath is a normalization of empathy. Empathy is the ability to relate to other people's feelings and see other people as people. Unless you're a narcissist or a psychopath, you have empathy. And when we turn constructs into nouns, it distorts reality because a concept is just an idea. There's nothing there. So as Richard Bandler said, if you put a normalization into a wheelbarrow, there's nothing there. <laughs> so for both those reasons, the term empath is really meaningless. It's better just to call these people humans if you're not a narcissist or a psychopath. Now, empathy occurs on a continuum. Some of us have more than others. So you could call them people with higher amounts of empathy. But looking at context in which this is uh, used, I don't think that that is what people who are using the term is talking about. When I Google what is an empath, I get things like being tuned into feelings of people around you, being uncomfortable in crowds, being emotionally sensitive, being sensitive to sound, light, and smells, being easily overstimulated, and lacking the skills or filter to protect themselves. Some other traits are that you care too much, you don't like conflict, you don't feel like you don't fit in, you have boundary issues, and you tend to isolate. I'm a trauma therapist, and those are the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. I cannot say this enough because there are a lot of people out there who think that it's just their personality. They think they're highly spiritual beings who suffer from living in a fast, noisy, and insensitive world, and this is a nervous system issue. It has nothing to do with spirituality other than uh, the sensitivity might make them more prone to having spiritual experiences. I'll give them that. When the PTSD is treated and the person learns how to implement healthier boundaries, a lot of these symptoms go away. So it's not a personality issue or a spiritual issue. Now, some of these traits are signs of being introverted as well, and that's probably not going to change. There's nothing wrong with being introverted because it's just a different way of moving in the world. And this is not to say that we don't live in a toxic society that is overstimulating. There is that too. And we're all overstimulated. And I know that some people are going to argue with my assessment and say that, that they don't have a trauma history. But, like I said, living in our modern world is traumatizing. Our nervous systems don't have, um, they haven't evolved to deal with the amount of stimulus that we all deal with day to day. So we're all on high alert. This is why yoga is such a popular thing now. If you're not doing something to discharge all the stimulus and negativity, you're probably way behind the eight ball. Now, our modern lifestyle isn't enough to give you PTSD, but there are other things that happen in our day-to-day -day life that are so toxic and common, and we don't even complain about it. We don't see it as wrong. And I can't tell you how many clients have come in seeking family medical leave because of toxic bosses, for example. I have a lot of clients who grew up with helicopter parents or who were latchkey kids and who had nobody home who have PTSD because they felt invalidated. It's not abuse but it is psychologically damaging. There's lots of things that can cause your nervous system to go haywire that have nothing to do with being spiritually advanced. So exposure to toxins like mold or heavy metals can do this too. So my opinion is that empath is not the best word to talk about that cluster of symptoms or to speak about that type of person in a clear or meaningful way. It's just confusing for a lot of reasons.
So let's move on to Hayoka. You probably know that this is a Lakota word for um, sacred clown. Or maybe you didn't know, but that's what it means. It describes a concept that we don't have in mainstream culture, really. Well, we kind of do in the fool archetype, but the fool has been corrupted. We think of the fool as, as something that we don't want to be, something stupid and foolish. But since it's the closest thing we have, if we use it correctly, it's the most accurate thing that correlates. So I'm going to use it anyway. I happen to love archetypes and, and the fool in particular. I think they're so useful for finding our way through life. And here's a perfect time to look at the archetypes for help. If you look at the fool in tarot cards or go back to older sources, you'll get to see who the fool really is. It's not the mainstream American culture thing um, that's stupid, pitiful, somebody you laugh at, not laugh with, um, and somebody that you would not want to be or look up to. That's, that's not it at all. In the Middle Ages, the king always had a fool in his court. This was arguably the second most powerful person in the kingdom because he used his humor to slip in the truth that other people dared not speak. Because he did it in a humorous way, he got away with it. And this was necessary because, think about it, in a court where the king had power over life and death, and people were sucking up to him day and night, nobody dared speak about the things that displeased him. So he, they were all yes-men. He was surrounded by people who kissed his butt, and... Having somebody who wasn't crippled by fear of losing favor and who could tell him the truth was invaluable. So there's two types of fools. The first were called innocents, and they're more childlike. They were silly, goofy, and there's some um, evidence that they might have been uh, disabled in some way. But like children, they would blurt out the truth because they just weren't socially savvy and didn't know better. And this type of fool was valued for his honesty. Then there were the wise fools who played at being jokers, who could really see the big picture and knew what was going on. In the world of archetypes, the fool is a bit more than the courtly fool. He's sacred and wise. He's a nonconformist. He does what he wants to do. If he's tired, he sleeps. If he's hungry, he eats. He might eat and make a mess of himself. He might get drunk and fart in front of people. He does the unexpected because it pleases him. He sometimes plays joke on you for fun. He sometimes tricks you into seeing something profoundly useful. You never know. He never seems to have a motive. He's completely unpredictable. He can't say whether he's on your side or not. Probably doesn't even have a side. So the archetypal fool is very similar to the Hayoka or trickster that we find in animism. And it's a way to identify and honor a similar energy without appropriating. I think the fool is actually more similar, but you could say trickster because that's generic enough that nobody's going to care. So, trickster empath? What do you think? You like that term? Uh, I don't think it has the exotic, um, special ring to it that will inspire a lot of takers. I did a YouTube video a while back about the importance of calling people by their names and taking um, the care to pronounce them correctly because it's a way of paying respect. It's not cool to be sloppy with how we approach people and brush it off like, whatever, same difference, because it's not the same difference. How many cultures are no longer here because of genocide? There's genocide by killing people, and there's genocide by wiping out the culture, by outlawing the language, spirituality, clothing, removing children, and indoctrinating them into the dominant culture's values through schools. And there's genocide by taking the names, ideas, and practices, filtering it through your lens, and then making it the truth. Instead of thinking of it as spiritual appropriation, think of it as cultural genocide. Then you may see why I'm taking all the time to talk about this. 
I don't know of many indigenous cultures that haven't been threatened. Most have been obliterated, and I think we owe it to them to stop destroying their cultures, don't you? So if you're not Lakota, you can't be Hayoka. You don't have the cultural background to even understand what it is. Everything animist has an ancestral connection, a land connection, history, culture, all of that's woven in. You can't just drag and drop it into any culture and have it be the same thing. Now, I appreciate whoever coined the term is actually calling it something different. Hayoka Impact isn't the same thing as Hayoka, but it's close enough to be confusing, so I wouldn't use the term. I could be totally wrong about this because there's so much that is confusing here, but I think what people who are using the term are trying to express is that they're outsiders who are misunderstood, do things differently, and are more holy because of it. That smacks of ego and spiritual bypass to me. Tricksters or fools don't do what they do because of ego. They aren't out there saying, hey, look at me, I'm a trickster. <laughs> they don't care what you think of them. They do what they do because it's who they honestly are. They're rare. They are respected and honored in most animist cultures, but nobody volunteers to be one. It's a hard life. Loki is a trickster goddess of North mythology, and he's a chaos god. You don't want him showing up. You want him to stay away. That's the nature of the trickster. They make things right by destroying them. Or they give you something by taking something away. And he's not a bad guy because he doesn't usually intentionally harm anybody. In fact, he's charming, but he's also mischievous. So Loki is also a hermaphrodite. He fathers most of his children, but gives birth to one. When he turns himself into a horse, he gives birth to an eight-legged horse. That's the type of energy that comes along with a trickster. So not so glamorous or desirable, is it? Yeah. Not a lot of indigenous people signing up for that life. Unless you're Iktomi, who's vain. <laughs> Iktomi is a Lakota spider man trickster. And one day, Iktomi was looking at his reflection in a pond and couldn't tear himself away. He just thought he was so amazingly beautiful. So the next day, he decided what better way to spend the day than do the same thing. So he went to the pond, but this time something was different. This time he wasn't lovely. He gazed and gazed, but the distorted face didn't change. He felt frustrated and decided to get some food, then go back to his den. But before he got there, he stopped at the pond once more to take another look. This time he only saw a dark blob, no eyes, no nose, and no mouth. Frightened, he ran back home, wondering whose reflection that he saw, because it certainly wasn't his. The next day he was angry because he thought the pond must surely be playing tricks on him. He decided to go back and saw Rabbit on the way. Confused and wanted somebody to talk to, he told Rabbit all about his encounters and asked him what he thought. Rabbit pondered for a moment and said that he thought Iktomi's reflection were indeed his own, but they were changed by the sun, wind, and rain. Iktomi replied, Which of those reflections is the real me? Rabbit said, There's no choice but to believe them all no matter how good, strange, or distorted they may seem to be. Sensing that Iktomi was not satisfied, Rabbit added, If you don't know who you are, then it doesn't matter what you believe. So you see, sometimes the trickster is the tricker, and sometimes these are the tricks. But either way, there's always an opportunity for wisdom in the end. That's really his function. He either blows things up so they can be rebuilt or rebirthed. He tells the truth that no one else wants to hear. He does something foolish that makes us all laugh, or he does something foolish that we can all learn from. So, are you a Hayoka empath? My suggestion is to call that something else. 
Peyoka doesn't work for me because it belongs to the Lakota culture. Empath doesn't work because we all have empathy. And the trait that it describes belongs to PTSD in most cases or heavy metal toxicity or other possibilities um, other than you're a special spiritual preacher. Some people are different. It's true. Well, I guess we're all different in our own ways. You could say I have PTSD or you could say I'm sensitive or maybe that you're a black sheep outlier or weirdo. I say that with affection. You're all welcome at Pan Society. I think we're all black sheep here, so we get it. There's a lot of spiritual bypass stuff going on that's really a diversion. If that's where you need to be, then all means, by all means, do that. I think you're going to get further with your feet on the ground than having your head in the clouds. Because honestly, if you were a trickster and or some mythical spiritual being, you wouldn't have to ask a question. You would know. Everybody would know. And you probably wouldn't care what your label is and wouldn't go around announcing it to people. That's such a strange thing that I've never seen an indigenous person do. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more observation. <laughs> so I actually do know a guy from a powwow who's Lakota, and he is Hayoka. So he's, we're not like friends. We're casual acquaintances. I only see him at powwow. That he's not particularly tuned into other people's energy at all. He's got a foot in both worlds, um, and he doesn't really pay all that much attention to other people until he does. Uh, he certainly doesn't react to other people's emotion or, or um, and he isn't put off by things that upset other people. He absolutely dances to his own tune, literally, <laughs> my head. So the term Heoka Empath doesn't really resemble anything in the Lakota culture that I've ever seen, nor does it look like the trickster in animism. The super sensitive part makes it really unlike the fool or the trickster. So my two cents. I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, all I have are my eyes and my experience. If I'm missing something, enlighten me. If you're suffering from PTSD symptoms, I would urge you to get treatment. There are good therapists and untrained ones. Keep searching until you find someone who knows what they're doing. Trust me, you don't have to suffer with this forever. It's not an easy path, but healing is possible. I see people do it every day. If your symptoms improve, you'll know that you don't have a spiritual issue. So you have nothing to lose and a more grounded, higher-functioning reality to gain. So why not check it out? That's all for this week, guys. If you're serious about learning animism from the inside out, we are here for you. Join us on our experiential animism class where you don't have to take anybody's word for anything. You're going to learn from your own experience. And who knows better than you what's going on in your life and what you should believe, right? Probably didn't make myself popular this week, but I always shoot straight and keep it grounded. So if I'm wrong, first submit it. And if you want more like this, you can check us out at pantsociety.org. Hope to see you there. Until next week, ciao.